0: Welcome in, Hoops fans. This is Pick and Pod, WFUV's NBA podcast, giving you everything you need to know about all things happening in the association. I am Andrew Posadas. It's been a while, but I'm back like I never left. And joining me in this week's episode is Thomas Aiello. Aiello, my friend, how are you?
1: I have an announcement for everybody. For our oh, listeners. let me hear it. I um I had my first Krispy Kreme donut the other day.
0: Your first, like the very never first had one, one? Yes. Yet? Oh, you're oh, missing out,
1: dude. It was so good. It was the uh, <laughs> old fashioned donut, and I I expected to be like this egregious sugar rush, which it was. But I'm so used to the I guess consistency of the Dunkin' Donuts donuts. It, it's a, it's a
0: drastic change, yeah. from a regular donut to the glazed Krispy Kreme. But it is. it's it's it,
1: it's a life changer, though. Otherworldly. Oh, otherworldly. It was, I felt, I evolved. It's like when Dennis Rodman became who he is now. Like you evolved from that first stage and now I'm in my second stage of metamorphosis.
0: So, so you're uh, telling me you've now become like the worm. Like this is Aiello's version of the worm. Yes. I mean, I, I hope, I mean, if you marry Carmen Electra, I think that'd be a great fitting. Hopefully you're not wearing a bride's <laughs> dress, but I mean, hey, to each their own, Let, let's <laughs> move on and talk basketball. Got a lot of things on the docket to address going into this week we're going to talk about both New York teams so much going on with the storylines the Brooklyn Nets Kevin Durant out right now with injury Iello and I will talk about the severity of that injury and, and what the Nets should expect moving forward and trying to keep this team intact and healthy for a run to the NBA finals we'll also talk about those New York Knicks and what they continue to do the gumption the resiliency they're in the midst Uh, of a six-game winning streak looking to extend that uh, against the Hornets on Tuesday night. And Aiello and I will get into that and just how far can this Knicks team go? Can they break and get maybe a top four seed? I mean, there's still time left here down the stretch. If the Knicks can keep it up, they have a a crazy after this six game homestand. They have to go on the road. That will be critical. So for the Knicks, a crucial part of their schedule, Aiello and I will get into that. And we'll also go around the league, talk about the MVP race. What we've seen, especially from Steph Curry, this man at age 33 is just having the greatest month of April that we've ever seen. The greatest shooting stretch over the last 11 games. He's had 30 plus and 11 straight. We'll get into him, the Joker, Joel Embiid. Where does everybody fit in this wild, wild MVP race? Aiello, let's get started, though, in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant. Uh, we found out earlier on Tuesday that Kevin Durant will miss Brooklyn's game against the New Orleans Pelicans as he continues to deal with a left thigh contusion. Aiello, Kevin Durant had just came back from a left hamstring injury that had taken him out for a few weeks. And now with a left with a left thigh contusion, excuse me, he's now day-to-day. So for the Brooklyn Nets it really feels like this team at full strength, there may not be a team that can go six or seven games with the Brooklyn Nets. But the problem is, is can they get to full strength and sustain that through an entire postseason run? But so far, just seven games with Harden, KD, and Kyrie on the floor, not what you want. But I think the most important thing here is health. And if KD needs to sit on ice, for a few weeks or needs to sit until the postseason begins. That's a sacrifice that the Nets are going to have to be willing to make if they want to hoist that title, you know, know, come this summer.
1: I honestly feel that Kevin Durant sitting for the playoffs is probably the best thing that could happen to this Nets team. Now, if we think about his impact, which we know very well, uh, I want to take you guys back to game five of the 2019 NBA Finals where he came in, he wasn't totally healthy. He was about, I don't know, I want to say 75% healthy. That's what they said that day. He came into that game, knocked down 11 points, got hurt, which is the Achilles injury, left the game but Golden State still won. He came into the last game versus Miami, eight points. He didn't miss a single shot, played a total of four minutes and three seconds of game time, and the Nets lost by two. So, the I guess the aggregate of Kevin Durant just kind of being there, his slight presence alone makes the team like really good. And the shorthanded nets only lost to the Miami heat by two, who at this moment in time have just way more pieces on that team, let alone being healthy with the exception of probably Goran Dragic, who's had his share of injuries this year. But think about that. They only lost to a healthy heat team by two and Kyrie Irving had to do a lot of the heavy lifting. So I think, Durant sitting for the playoffs is probably your best bet only because if you want to preserve him, he's also 32. He's going to be 33 next September. So you kind of want to preserve that, that body, especially that Achilles tear. Now I know that people say, Oh, well his game's not based on jumping and like power. No, I, I understand that, but dealing with aging superstars and their bodies. Uh, we know that very well. We've seen that with Tracy McGrady, unfortunately, Penny Hart. Well, Penny's was kind of early, but yeah, McGrady. Grady, Injury caught up to him. Vince Carter just kind of—he sort of fizzled out. He had some injuries here and there. Um, the Spurs, your Spurs, Andrew, are masters of load management. Pretty much that their entire dynasty
0: preserving is- players and getting the most out of them, so that you know guys like Tim Duncan and, and Tony Parker exactly. and Manu Ginobili can give you two decades worth uh, of championship effort. So exactly. no, but but I will say this also, Ayello. I mean, you talk about them being shorthanded, Nick Clax and Reggie, uh, Reggie Perry, they've been placed in the league health and safety protocols. The Nets have a total of seven guys out for Tuesday's game uh, against New Orleans. And when we think about it for KD, he's missed 24 of Brooklyn's 57 games this season. And they're also dealing, you know, James Harden, he's missed two weeks with that right hamstring strain. But but this is my thing. And a lot of people, Aiello, continue to harp back on, well, the, the trios only played seven games together. You know, how can they only play, you know, that amount of games if they don't get 15 or 20 games? You know, that's going to hinder them come postseason time. That, to me, is complete hogwash because these guys have played together in Team USA, All-Star Weekend, and you know over the summer, yellow that they have runs and guys are coming together and weekends for weeks, they're playing against each other and keeping themselves with iron sharpening iron. So these guys yes. know how each other's games are. They know what works They know what buttons to push. And when they were together on the floor, I mean, this team was averaging almost 125 points per game. So to me, that's not the concern. The concern is making sure these guys go into the postseason feeling at 100 percent, because as long as they're at 100 percent, then you can make that run. And even if someone is having a nagging injury, you you talk about what they were able to do against Miami, you know, with, with with multiple guys out. They have that luxury that if one guy goes down or, or even a second guy goes down, th- there are others who can step up and, and contribute and, and make up for that. So I think for the Nets, you know, injuries aside, this is still a team that can make a deep run. But make no mistake, if they can be at full strength, I'm sure Steve Nash, that's exactly what he prefers. And if they're at full strength, man, Ielo, it's it's hard for me to think of a team that can seriously go seven games uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. And it's hard to see it.
1: I, I'm i like, who can even do it? That's the question. <laughs> who's who's equipped to do it? There's only a handful, not even a handful, a few select teams that are equipped to deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now you got to deal with the Nets. We look at Milwaukee. That's probably one team. Boston's definitely not going to have hang with them because they have no bigs. Philadelphia, no big
0: can Ben Simmons be that guy? We don't ben know. Ben
1: Simmons, maybe. If Joel Embiid doesn't poop his pants in the playoffs or doesn't get hurt. That's the, exactly. the concern with him, right? That's the other one. And then if we look out West, let's assume, let's just assume they make it to the finals here. If the West it's between Lakers, if LeBron James is healthy and Davis comes back healthy, the Clippers got their own thing. Right? They gotta show me in the postseason. PG, yeah.
0: I mean Kawhi's proven, but it's all on PG and, Paul George and the Utah it. Jazz are I think you and I both are not buying the Utah Jazz. It's no. a great story. They finish first. That I think that's a great accomplishment. But but in the seven game series against LeBron, A D, you're not taking Utah no. if you're a realistic NBA fan.
1: No, and I think maybe Phoenix probably not. They're a surprise paul. team too i don't think anybody
0: thought they'd be as good as i mean i picked them to finish as a top four team in the west but they've certainly exceeded expectations and i think they're still maybe a year or two away from actually like getting to the finals but you know chris paul Could and chris Monte paul be Williams.
1: that clever andrew do you think he's like that much of a sleuth where he just magically gets his team to the finals
0: think about what he did with okc last year and, and what he was able to do and kind of bringing guys around think about you know with with Gilgis Alexander. Lou Dort is a hell of a defender, and Chris really Paul is that can. kind of that pit bull. He's instilled that mentality, and then he's doing the same thing in Phoenix. So, I mean, if Monty Williams wins coach of the year, I'm sure Chris Paul will be having, you remember that meme with uh, Russell Westbrook looking at KD, looking at the trophy, while KD oh, is, yeah, the
1: death stare. is giving I love his
0: that uh, speech? That, that's what Chris Paul's. He's going to be sitting right there watching Monty Williams give his acceptance speech, just looking at the trophy like, yeah, I played a part in that. So, you know, th- <laughs> I think at the end of the day, hey, for the Nets, I mean, I think the one team we can think of, maybe the Los Angeles Lakers, they have Andre Drummer now. So that seems to be the one team that can maybe battle Titan for Titan. But but if the, if the three of KD, Harden, and Kyrie are healthy, then, man, all bets are off. It's hard for me to, to pick against them because from what we've seen in such a small sample size, they're a juggernaut offensively, and when they want to defensively, they can lock down and they have some guys. You think about Nick Claxton, a uh, Bruce Brown. They're Bruce guys Brown. who are good defenders and they can kind of play their roles easier, you know, w- with the likes of KD and Kyrie and Harden on the floor.
1: I don't think I've ever seen a young player who went from not playing at all last year to having a serious contribution than Cla- Nick Claxton has had this season. You kind of saw the potential with him last year when. Uh, I mean, obviously they had all those injuries. DeAndre Jordan was on and off the floor and, and he's unfortunately aging, but that just that's the reality of the NBA when you get old, man. But Nick Claxton, who's really stepped up, he fits into a nice paint defender role, which is what they really need. And I feel like having Jordan there every day to teach him and to see the improvement that he's made. And this is com- all coming from Nick's fan, by the way, complimenting a Nets player. <laughs> he has made some serious strides. I feel like, you can platoon him, Griffin, and Jordan, I guess, as like your center thing to kind of wall up Giannis if you have to see him. They have That's enough. You can throw at Embiid, but Embiid has been an ba- a, a issue in and of itself for opposing teams to defend. Maybe one of the, probably the toughest assignment in the NBA, not named uh, LeBron James, or perhaps Nikola Jokic, to me at least. And now that they have him, they got three guys in the paint, And like you said, when they want to play defense, they play some damn good defense. When Kyrie is focused, when Harden and Durant are all focused, they're a very good team. They're a really good team. And they've got great role players. We have to give Bruce Brown, like you said, and TLC a lot of credit for really just being sticking their noses in there, man. They're just hard-nosed basketball players, and it's fun. It's fun to watch.
0: Yes, all the injuries and yet just a game back. Uh, Philadelphia, they're 38 and 19, Philly at 39 and 18. So even with all that, just one game behind, and if they get that number one seed and home court advantage, I mean, and with fans now, we heard Governor Cuomo say that, that attendance will go up for both the Barclays Center and Madison Square Garden. So Brooklyn will be a vibe. I'll tell you what else will be a vibe. That'll be the other arena I just mentioned, MSG. And the team that resides there, Aiello, may be a team that down the line could see the Brooklyn Nets in a seven-game series. That would be everybody's New York Knicks. Play the damn music as Rob Perez worldwide Wob would say the, the New York Knicks right now. I mean, I am fortunate enough to be one of the reporters for WFUV covering the New York Knicks and ILO, I got to go to some games last season and going to games this season, you can just see the difference in, in this team's effort and what Coach Tibbs has been able to instill in, in terms of toughness and that defensive mentality. even against New Orleans, excuse me, on over the weekend, you know, down the stretch there, the Knicks, that's a game, Aiello, that last year, last season, they would have folded up, they would have lost, and and we would have been criticizing them right then and there. We did that often about the Knicks last season. But this season, there have been so many occasions where the Knicks – are thrown into adversity. They're down in a a deficit or they give up a a lead and they still bounce back and win games that they weren't supposed to win and that they didn't win last season. So for what we've seen right now in this team, and they're just building, the the foundation is just being built. This team's only going to get better. Uh, yellow. as a diehard Knicks fan, what can you say about what these New York Knicks are doing right now. Winners of six straight, and they find themselves tied for fifth with the Boston Celtics at 31 and 27.
1: I would like to tip my cap to uh, Emperor Leon Rose, the new uh, emperor of the New York Knicks, the overlord, (laughs) the transaction transaction warlord, I should say, of this team who's done a really good job of assembling talent and a staff. And Tom Thibodeau, who has kind of let them grow up without growing up. Does that make any sense? Yes. So last year it was gloomy kind of veterans, but there was this mixture, this weird mix of kids on the team. And it's almost like, Oh, I got to go pick up my kid from daycare. That's the youngest one. Yeah. He's really boisterous at home, but now you watch them and it's like, Oh, like the kids, they're, they're really fun. Like I love watching them. I want them to win. It's the exciting part. So they've, and they've grown up without growing up, I guess. It's sort of more of like a uh, finding out you're going to vacation in Tahiti, type of thing. Yeah, and you know, like when you start jumping around, like ah, we're going to Tahiti or we're going to Disney World, like how excited everyone is, and it's all like just you're looking forward to the future and what they can do. Now, I think for their off season, they definitely need to find a closer. Yeah, uh, and people say Lou Williams. I've seen Lou Williams. I would do it, but Alec Burks is also there, and they're kind of the same player, so. You sort of have to pick and choose your poison with that. I definitely think they're going to haul at least one person from the draft. Who that is, uh, it could be a number. I'm going to look at guards for the most part between James Knight, Adrian Butler, Davian Mitchell, or Jared Butler, excuse me. Uh, it could be Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, another wing shooter, because they don't have any good small forwards. Uh, and I also saw an idea a while ago uh, from Malcolm Brogdon, trade for Malcolm Brogdon. I, it would yeah. be... That one's definitely interesting cuz he he's a good point guard but he's not he's not going to push you over the the hill that you need to go But I mean, he's solid enough where he can be a starting point guard
0: on a championship team, in my opinion, because we've seen now these days that a point guard isn't the guy to take teams to championships. You need a wing or a big somebody like that. You know, I mean, Steph, he got to win, you know, a few finals, but, you know, KD won two of those MVPs and Iguodala got the other one. Although I I will always contend that Andre Iguodala is the worst player to ever win finals MVP that doesn't. (laughs) It sounds dumb, but he is, and he shouldn't have won that MVP. I don't know how. I mean, he hit wide open shots, and he tried to defend LeBron, and LeBron still averaged 30, 10, and like 8. So, I mean, you want to give finals MVP to that guy? I mean, that's another story for another day. But let's go back to the New York Knicks, and you're right, because with David Fisdale and even oh god with, with Coach Miller you know, in the interim, they just couldn't sustain – a string of games where you saw effort on both sides of the court, but with Tibbs and that was, I think the worry that that some of us had and the majority of Knicks fans is: Would Tibbs run this team into the ground? Would he be too hard on them? But I think Tibbs has learned in his previous experience, especially that previous stop in Minnesota and how that turned out. Understanding the balance between conditioning and just overexerting your players throughout uh, an 82-game season, this season being 72 games, so I think he's gotten the guys to buy in. And when you get guys to buy in defensively, that's that's important because Ayello. I think there's a strong argument that no other team plays harder right now than the New York Knicks. No other team plays harder than them on both sides of the floor. And that's what keeps them in games and puts them in position to come back and beat teams like the Pelicans when they were down, what, seven points with like 90 seconds left to go. So – And I think the combination of guys and you mentioned the maturity and the growth, Julius Randle, he's, I mean, he's, he's having an all NBA. If he doesn't make one of those three teams, it's criminal. I mean, a guy's averaging 34, he's averaging 11, six assists. He's leading the team in assists. You think about a guy like Derrick Rose coming off of the bench, being a mentor to guys like Emmanuel quickly and, and and Neil Akina. that first time around in New York, You can tell and just listening to him and some of his uh, post games, especially after that game against New Orleans, you know, he was in a different mindset that first time around New York, he had just come off all of those injuries, He, he wasn't yet ready to accept and evolve his game to fit you know, where his body was. And now this time around coming in with, with Tibbs and knowing his role as, as a guy who can come off the bench and also start when need be. And you've seen, he still has flashes of that D Rose, that does. MVP form. He does. And coming off the bench, I think that's a pop him and Alec Burks. I mean, they have proven to be a great one, two combo. And it's just a little bit of everything. And I you know that when you put a little bit of everything into a recipe, it usually turns out tasting scrumptious. And so far it is tasting like a playoff appearance. And if they can get the right matchup, let's say they draw the Hawks in that four or five, or even the Milwaukee bucks, because again, (laughs) if somebody can come up with a defensive game plan and follow what Nick nurse did uh, against Giannis, I'm sure Coach Tibbs will have his wall and he'll make Chris Middleton and somebody else have to beat them other than Giannis. So w- would you say that the Knicks could at least push one of those two teams to six games, maybe seven games? They play defense out there. So I have to think because of their defensive prowess, if they can get a formidable matchup that isn't the Nets or the Sixers, And even then with the Sixers, you never know with injury stuff, anything can change. But if they end up with a favorable matchup, I could see them giving the team trouble in the first round. I'm not saying they're going to win the first round matchup, but they can certainly put a scare in somebody. And I think Knicks fans, for all intents and purposes, for what the expectations were before the season began, this is just a ride that that Knicks fans are going to take wherever it goes at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It's it's sort of, I'll take it and I'll be happy with it for now. Uh, to go back to your point about defense, we look at the great dynasties in sports and this goes for all of them. I mean, we'll start with NBA basketball, the Chicago bulls. Yes. They had Michael Jordan, but they were predicated on a really tough defensive mindset. Yes. You could say it for the new England Patriots dynasty with bill Belichick, Tom Brady has always had a crazy good defense in soccer with the Manchester United thing, their defense and in baseball, the Yankees. Money and defense and pitching. Yeah. You could So defense and defense, and in this baseball's case, pitching and defense, that's going to get you to where you need to go. And that model was followed way back in the 70s with the Clyde Frazier teams. It was followed in the 90s with the Patrick Ewing teams. And then they sort of steered away from it. Now, there was that little blip of mellow where it was, we're going to shoot 100 threes a game. And now it did work. They won 54 games, but and Mike Woodson is a defensive-minded
0: guy too in his own right. right. So you know they had enough defense where they were able to win 50 plus games.
1: They yeah, they had enough defense between Schumpert and Chandler. Yeah. Mello kind of here and there. You could you could say J.R. Smith when he wanted to, yeah. Also when he uh wasn't in his uh in his greenhouse, but um <laughs> the the great teams are built on great defenses. I think that's what the Knicks have kind of figured out. Now in the NBA, it's more of a three point shooting ball oriented offensive game, but if you still have a strong defense, you're going to still go places. And I think that along with my growing up theory, Tom Thibodeau has grown up as well. Understanding rest, understanding that he has a lot of choices now on the bench. When players go down, we know he likes those short 10 man rotations. He can go to, um, of Frank Nilakina, who always gets, gives good effort despite his minuscule minutes and most likely he's going to be off the team this year after the season. But he goes in there, his 8 to 10, whenever he's given, it's a good 8 to 10 minutes. Taj Gibson, who has stepped up in the absence of Mitchell Robinson, who's been a key part of their defensive success this year. Gibson has stepped up. He's put in a couple of gritty, gritty performances, helping them win a few games. And the collective whole, I mean, the point guard thing's not great right now. I mean, yeah, sure, we have Rose and Quickly and
0: it's Peyton. a good, it's it's becoming. I mean, you would like somebody to be a mainstay there, and, right? And they're hoping that quickly becomes that down the line. But you know, I, I think it's the combination of too. quickly Peyton and Rose. I mean, when Peyton at least when the shots are going down, you know he's gonna bring it on defense. But right. if the shots are going down, that's a bonus. But I think it's a revolving door, but I think at this point it's serviceable for what they've done. And and again, the record speaks for itself. So I would also say, Ayello, what they're doing now is also. I think it's putting up everyone else's antennas around the league where now the New York Knicks, they're relevant. They're formidable. They're a franchise that's going back in the right direction. And you mentioned Leon Rose and a lot of these contracts, they're one year deals, you know, deals that the Knicks, are flexible now where they still have cap space going into the next couple of summers to get that superstar player to perhaps match up with the Julius Randle and with these young guys that are emerging as well. So for the Knicks, I think this is perfect. I mean, regardless, I think as long as they get into the playing tournament and if they can win a game and get to a first round series, this is the type of, of effort. This is the type of results that, that, superstar players I think we're waiting we heard Zion after the game he <laughs> gushed about playing at MSG and I yelled, that's how a lot of guys feel you know this guys love going to the garden and balling out there in front of the Knicks fans whether they cheer for him or boo for him. it's just a different atmosphere a different vibe and I think with the Knicks playing the way they are we're going to hear more guys start to peek out and say well you know I'd love to play for the Knicks I'd love to play at MSG this is going to open the door for that.
1: I think we have to pump the brakes on that only because <laughs> the mainstream ESPNs and, um, the skip Bayless. Well, I wouldn't really say skip, but I guess people, other people at Fox sports One, like Colin Cowherd, they do try to do this whole baiting thing. And it's usually with the Knicks or teams that are doing this stuff. And there's the speculation, there's these rumors that come out. So I feel like for Knicks fans, if we get to the, if they get to the playoffs, that's going to be great. That's going to be humongous success if they i also don't think they realize how much effort you have to exert especially in an nba playoff game a single nba playoff game to play a team like the bucks or one of these crazy talented teams how much effort you have to exert to lose by 2 yeah. imagine what it takes you have to try and win by at least 6 so if they exert all of their effort Into that one game and win it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take all of the FUV sports department. We're gonna all go to Clyde's wine and dining order as many chicken wings and burgers as we like. I'd love to go to Clyde's my treat, okay? Oh yes. I'd love to go to Clyde's. Winning one NBA playoff game is a task, especially for a team that's gonna be under underdogged, if if that's a word. Yeah. So you have to you really have to be methodical with how you game plan. And I know the defense, you have to really slow the game down. And the Knicks, how do I put this? They play like sloths and koala bears okay they are slow they are just a slow
0: (laughs) or methodical Methodical, they just take possession of possession I mean they put their hard hats on and again that's not a style that teams play at so I think that's why they pose a tough matchup for
1: anybody especially the teams that like to play up and down it's definitely a a thorn in the side where Giannis will just kind of look down from his pedestal and go damn how would they get so good so quickly? <laughs> so I think that'll it'll definitely be fun to watch. I don't think they're going to win a first-round series because they unfortunately don't have the, the power to do that right now. Uh, the offseason, that's a different story, how they upgrade or what. But just looking at what the talent is right now, there's definitely potential to push a team, and that's, that's a good sign. And the, the Nets did that two years ago, and that really worked for them. Now we can say for that free agency pool, they definitely had that more in their favor than they, the Knicks do right now because we don't know if Kawhi is going to take his player option. And then the next best free agent is like DeMar DeRozan. I, I mean, would you like DeMar? You're a Spurs fan. Would you like to keep him? I don't know. I, don't, not, I don't. not
0: at $25 million a year, certainly yeah. not. Um, no, but I would also say I'm certainly not, you know, hopefully nobody takes this podcast and says, well, Andrew Posadas just said Zion's going to the Knicks. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying when you hear Zion gush, about the Knicks like that, there is a good sentiment of all-star players who believe and feel the same exact way. So I think as long as the Knicks are continuing to to, to build towards being a perennial playoff team and, and a team down the line that can be a contender for a championship, guys are going to see that. And I yeah. think now... You'll start to see those free agent moves and guys willing to say, all right, I'm going to go and play for the Knicks now because that wasn't the case because the franchise, Aiello, as you know, was just so inept from the top up that players saw that and they looked the other way and went elsewhere. They weren't going to go there and be in that desolate wasteland that was the Knicks front office. So now with everything being the way it is, I I just have to believe all-star guys who are coming up on, on their contracts in the next two or three years. The New York Knicks are going to be serious players, and this time, it's going to be for real. They are going to land a big fish because they have all the tools necessary that I think superstar players want in trying to secure a championship.
1: I I do think something's going to happen. Something something will happen. Uh, I also wanted to address this thing real quick because I've seen the Carl Anthony Town trade rumors. Mm. I feel like I understand why those would be a thing, but I feel that we're maybe... I want to say a year and a half, maybe a year away from those really becoming like, oh crap, Carl Anthony Town's available for trade. Let's let's haul the franchise. I think we need to slow that down. That's just for the entire NBA, but there's definitely going to be a player who will come to the Knicks willingly and yeah. say, Hey, there's something here. Let's let's finish the job, right? Let's finish the job. Let's see how far we can take them. Now I know that there will be minor tweaks here and there i'm sure players will leave but sometimes addition by subtraction is the winning formula and we saw it with the brooklyn nets where they subtracted d'angelo russell and jared allen but look what it got them and you, you, you would take that 100 yeah. percent of the time <laughs> it doesn't matter how screwed over you get five or six years down the road because they can't trade draft picks but you just take it you you just take it and don't think
0: Exactly. And if if we've seen anything from the Knicks, you know, them standing pat at the oh, track line, not going all in as some people thought they might have. I think that shows that they're being patient. This is this is a bill, Diello. It's gonna be fine. They're heading in the right direction. The train doesn't feel like it's going off the tracks, it's going at a slow and steady pace. And I think the, the final stop this season is going to be the playoffs. So I, I think so. that's a great ride for Knicks fans. So we'll see what the Knicks do again. They'll play Charlotte on Tuesday night, right now, right in the smack tab of the playoff picture. They're tied with Boston for fifth. Before we wrap things up here, I yellow. I do want to talk about the MVP race and, and now the emergence. I mean, the month of April, What do to say April flowers, uh, April showers bring May flowers. Well, April showers, are being brought by Curry 3s i mean he's been <laughs> when i look down at my phone i the, the, the statistics for the month of april are absolutely scary i mean the, the last 5 games 49 47 33 42 53 uh, i mean where he's just passed Bradley Beal he's now the leading scorer averaging 31.4 points per game he now has 73s over the last 10 games, Ielo, He had 49 on 10 of 17 from beyond the arc uh, against the Sixers. And I really am not done yet. I mean, let's look a 72 threes in his last 10 games. That's more than Chris Paul, Tobias Harris, Russell Westbrook, Pascal Siakam, Giannis Antetokounmpo, or Joel Embiid have made the entire season. He's made more threes than five NBA teams in the last 10, 11 games. And when you think about what he's doing at the age of 33 and having 10 consecutive, 10 plus consecutive games, scoring 30 of more, doing that with Kobe Bryant and now about the standalone and averaging the most in an age 33 season. And when we talk about this, this MVP race, Aiello, it's so interesting with the injuries and certain guys taking the lead and then coming back, other guys emerging. The Warriors obviously aren't a top three, top four seed in the West right now. I mean, they're in ninth place struggling to try and hold on to a spot in the play-in. But if Steph Curry keeps up this her Herculean effort for the rest <laughs> of the season and-, and Golden State gets in, I'm not going to be shocked if he gets some MVP votes from the media just because Ayala. What he's doing right now, we know he's the greatest shooter of all time. But but some of these things are just so ridiculous. How talent? I mean, my subconscious inherently, when he puts up a shot and he gets a clean look, the first thing my mind says is good. It just that's what we expect from him, and ah, uh, it's it's been fantastic to watch this month of April. Steph Curry has just been the human torch.
1: Do you remember learning about the great Marty Glickman when you first came into FuV? Of course. Swish, swish, <laughs> swish. That's all you hear. Swish. Steph Curry shooting. Swish, uh, swish. That's every shot. He's a super humanoid three-point shooting machine thing, <laughs> and he's not. He's not knocking. He's not having these games versus like the worst of teams. And there's a game in between this eleven-game uh, streak he had where he didn't play, but. In those two games, he had 36 and 32. One was versus Chicago, and the other one was versus Miami. And then he sat versus Toronto on uh, on the second. And then he starts the streak again versus the Hawks. And then he plays Milwaukee, Washington, Houston. I mean, they're not very good. Then he goes to Denver and destroys them. And then four games in a row, four games in a row on the road, he's traveling on a plane. There's jet lag. There's security. There's COVID restrictions you got to go through and all this Hotel, where am I going to get my food from? All these things. Oh, let me just casually walk to the stadium and drop 10, 11 threes on Oklahoma City, on Cleveland, and then drop 11 threes on Boston. And then I'll drop 17 on Philadelphia with 49 points and beat them by 11, pretty much single-handedly. And oh, by the way, Seth, you're my brother. I love you, man. I'm still, I'm way better than you.
0: Oh yeah. Big brother, little brother. That's that's how to go big (laughs) brother's way every single time.
1: Steph Curry's a, he's a good player, like he's a solid yes. little player. But Steph Curry last night put the greatest shooter of all time debate to a close. Yeah, I, cyborg comes in <laughs> like five years down the road, where he's got a robotic arm and has a targeting system that's as accurate as Iron Man. I don't know who the hell's gonna touch Steph Curry. For I, I,
0: I'll say this. If 30 years from now, the, the next great shooter comes and my children are saying, oh, dad, this is the best. I'm going to say, no, you got to go on Watch YouTube, <laughs> whatever the the, the video services in that time. Go look up Wardell Stephen Curry. Go look him up and and then tell me if this guy you're talking about here is, is the best shooter uh, of all time. And and when you think about that, April man's averaging 41 points per game. He's shooting 55% from the floor, 50 from three and 91% from the free throw line. It's absolutely insane. And the, the craziest part is, ILO, he's not doing this on a Warriors team that's in the midst of winning three championships in, what, four or five years, and they're Warriors. a juggernaut. Five, the Warriors, no, five, 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 five. The Warriors need this. They need all of these points. They need every single contribution that Steph Curry has given them because Clay's out. James Wiseman's out. Draymond is not going to give you anything on the offensive end. That's not his specialty. And guys like Kelly Oubre, you know, Kent Bazemore, they've been inconsistent shooting for the most part. So, the Warriors have needed every bit of this. If Steph Curry's not putting up this month of April, the Warriors are seriously may seriously have to consider the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes. I'd call it how it is because you're not going to fight to just end up losing in the first round. Maybe you call it, you know, a season and go from there, but now they're still in. And you got to think, if you have Steph Curry on your team and you get into the play-in, all bets can yeah, be off, and and he's somebody who, if he can get in as a, as an eight seed, you know, that's a first-round matchup, not for the Lakers or for the Clippers. That's a first-round matchup for the Jazz, ILO. Do the Jazz, are they ready and prepared? Are they battle-tested to have to face Steph Curry, who understands what it takes to win championships, plural? If Donovan Mitchell is still compromised, are we really – are you going to pick the entire jazz squad over Steph Curry? Because he's that one guy who can shift the series and maybe put Utah, you know, send him home early. And I think a lot of people would be shocked, but would you really be shocked if Steph could do that? Cause Utah, again, I'm not sold on him. And if Steph can get in as an eight seed, I'm sure that's the one team that Utah just does not want to see. I-, I can guarantee it because if I'm looking at the standings, real quickly here i mean i'm sure they'd rather see memphis or rather see san antonio i think much rather see those two teams i don't think they want to see golden state and steph curry i mean just it's it feels like wayne's world like we're not worthy (laughs) we're not worthy i mean what he's doing it's absolutely phenomenal and it's just so entertaining even if you're not a warriors fan it's entertaining as a basketball fan and as i tweeted the other day just don't take this man for granted because we're not going to see shooters like this again and if we do they're not going to be anything like Steph Curry and what he's been able to do. It's really just been... It's unreal, I yellow It's 2K-ish. That, that's where you see <laughs> these
1: type of things, and we're seeing it here in real life. He, he literally broke basketball. He <laughs> literally broke the sport. I don't know how else to put it. He's hes without a doubt a Hall of Famer. He's probably going to be unanimous. I mean, that's what it's looking like so far. But if we want to talk about the playoff picture, um, Golden State... I mean, Steph Curry alone is really good, but Utah has been a juggernaut on defense for the last, I want to say, four or five years. So that's definitely going to be an issue they have to, I guess, address. And if Wiseman is coming back by yeah. that time, how are you, how are you going to put up against Rudy Gobert? I mean, good luck. I'm sure that Golden State offensively will give him a game, but Utah's defense, like we said before, defense carries you way farther than an offense can because you don't have to play catch up in that scenario but you know utah i'm not really sold on them as well they're a good team they play very hard they play really good defense they're another one of these methodical teams in the nba that we talk about Mm -hmm. but i'm not sold on them simply for the fact that yes they're fourth in defensive rating yes they're fourth in offensive rating and there's enough there's enough offense i guess to make up for the loss of mitchell if you want to try between Clarkson who shoots off the bench pretty much every time he touches the basketball he can be inbounding it from the other side of the floor and he's going to launch a full court shot Joe Ingles who averages 12 he's okay as a spot shooter Mike Conley's pretty solid yeah Jan Bogdanovich who's a he's a good wing scorer I wouldn't exactly call him a game changer so like roster construction up and down other than Mitchell it's going to be tough I guess to beat Steph but The defense, I don't know, because you'll wear them out that way. That's definitely a way you could do it and probably not.
0: This Utah Jazz team, they remind me of the Raptors teams with, with with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry when they would finish first or second and they'd yeah. be really good. And everyone would say, Oh, this is a great regular season. But in the postseason, when they went up against the Cavs, they'd they lose our, that Atlanta Hawks. You remember they had four All Stars Kyle Corver, Jeff Teague, Al Horford. Oh, they weren't that good either. And and they finished, what were they like, the first or second seed? I think they, they, they were the number one seed. They, they were the number Ireland one seed. Correct. So I, I get, I'm, I'm not. I, they give me a little bit of that Atlanta Hawks, that year's vibes, where they're really good, great regular season. You know, you got multiple all stars on that team, but there's just something about them where I just don't feel like it's great in the regular season, but the postseason's a different animal. And I really think at the end of the day, a guy like Steph Curry can really put a wrench in your plans. And so if Utah does draw the Warriors, Good I mean, line. that is, that's going to be tough. And I think for, for golden state, they will be more than happy to take on Utah in the first round. They just want to get into the playoffs. And as long as you have Steph Curry, as I mentioned, you got a shot. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, we got 15 games or so for everyone left coming down to the final stretch. And it's going to be so much fun to see how both playoff pictures in the East in the West shake out respectively, but that will do it for this week's edition of pick and pod for Thomas Aiello. I am Andrew Posadas telling all hoops fans continue enjoying basketball, have fun with the playoffs just around the corner. Pick and pod is a production of WFUV sports.